0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 184 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, April 5th, and I am joined by a very special guest, one of our favorite people to have on the show, all the way from Las Vegas, the Southpaw outlaw, Serena De Jesus. Serena, how are you feeling, my friend?
1: I'm doing the best I can under the, you know, our, what? Our lockdown, was it, week three, almost week four soon coming up, and I'm just like, all I'm doing is enjoying it the best I can.
0: <laughs> cruising and cruising. All right. And, of course, we're joined all the way from New Jersey, lockdown on the East Coast, Jeff the what? Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling, my man?
2: Bill, I, I'm awesome, dude. I got WrestleMania queued up. So I'm rocking and rolling, man. Making so the most out of this.
0: We we got to get the most out of you while you're distracted by WrestleMania. Yeah,
2: dude. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> He's wow. already
0: not making eye contact. This is oh, going to be wow. bad. We'll uh, yeah, yeah, Serena, yeah, exactly, exactly. Serena, you got to carry the show. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, God. I could do that. I actually can do that pretty well. Um, actually, before I got on the show, I had a very interesting um, conversation with a lot of followers and fans of mine. So John Fitch came out with an article stating that MMA feels more like the WWE basically just minus the pre-predicted outcomes. Yeah. And I'm kind of in that agreement. I mean, obviously I'm not in that line where he said MMA is not a sport anymore because obviously put a lot of work in. Mm-hmm. It's still a sport. But when you look back and we're all in quarantine, we can do this. If you look back from the beginning of – Mixed martial arts to now, there wasn't as much trash. Talk. And when it was, it was dealt with pretty violently. Now we got people making personas that is the entire polar opposite of who they are. You got people who are say, you know, or saying, oh, I did all this because it's just business, mm-hmm. or they're just running their fucking mouths too much, you know? I must be a grouchy old school traditional martial artist, you know, because I've never started problems, but I've always finished them. You know, when anyone's had a problem with me, you know, sure. what if I ever had a problem with a fighter, it was legitimate. It wasn't me just capping for the, for Twitter or for the Gram or whatnot. It was legitimate stuff. But with the social media, with, you know, people wanting the money, they're capping, they're mad capping. They're having all this stuff to have the attention. And I get it because we yeah. all got to make money while we still can, but it's just hard to deal with now, you know? Mm. So I mean, yeah. what do you guys think?
0: Yeah, it does get to be a little much. Um, it, I, I mean, to be fair, John Fitch, a- and rightfully so, is probably a little bit bitter because he was released from the UFC for for mm-hmm. not participating and stuff like that. And he didn't want to give away his likeness to be part of the video game. And there was like a whole bunch of drama with yeah. that. And he, he just didn't want to, he didn't want it to become what it is. And I think... I think he never stopped being bitter about that. And, and it's sad because he's one of the baddest dudes to ever fight. Mm -hmm. And, and he won't be remembered that way uh, by a lot of people because of, because of the way things did go down. And unfortunately, you know, when the sport started, you know, they had to do a lot to prove that it wasn't barbaric and that, you know, they had to, to scratch and claw to get it to be accepted as a mainstream sport. And at the same time, social media was coming into prevalence. So, all these characters started developing, and, um, you know, they do the best they can. The UFC especially, I know, has, like, summits and stuff that tells people how to behave on social media, and they, they try to have guidelines, but at the same time, they like it when people are acting wild because it, it builds hype for fights, and, you know, I, I get both sides of it. You know, I, I try to be very business-minded, and, and of course, I, I support the athletes and, and the purity of the sport. Um, but it is sports entertainment and, and, you know, they do have to make money. So like, especially if you're advocating, like we need, we need the fighters to be paid better, which they do. Um, that money has to come from somewhere. Uh, so, uh, you know, they do, the fighters do what they can to kind of generate hype and, and it gets out of hand sometimes and Mm -hmm. it gets a little wild. And especially now it's starting to, you're starting to feel it because you know, fighters are we're are all like, stuck. Yeah, <laughs> you got Paige Van Zant just posting nude photos of her and her husband trying to get attention just because there's no it's fights like, going congrats on. That's
1: on the sex. We get it. You know, yeah. I'm just like, could we don't like even people who are st- who are Van Zant stands like, all right, this is enough. You know, I mean, I'm gonna work out pro- right after this podcast in my garage, but you're not seeing me do all that weird shit you know see that's the over top shit i'm talking about that really has no business being in the sport like mm-hmm. po- but posing naked in your thing just like okay congrats we've all seen a naked human body before at one time or another you know mm-hmm. it, this is nothing exemplary you know this is nothing it's that kind of shit that drives me up a wall you feel me
0: yeah yeah, I mean, I guess this is the next step for them making their fans-only page, <laughs> or, <laughs> or whatever. Oh God, it is don't it get me do.
1: started on that shit.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not even I'm not even totally sure what it is. I just know it's a way to make money for it's, showing it's yourself. For-
1: yeah, it's literally it's a paid subscription service. So think of Patreon, but just for photos. It's just okay. Y'all are just going to get photos of me in my headset with like with my PS4 going, sup?" you know, that's the <laughs> most anybody will get out of me if I ever make a fans only page. <laughs> is,
0: is there any categories for like dad bods? Can I, can I make some money on this?
1: <laughs> I mean, it never hurts to try. I mean, I'm all for equality. Make that money. Women deserve eye candy and men deserve to be sexualized and make money too. So you know what? This is the equality we need
0: in 2020 you're damn right (laughs) all right follow the mma on the rocks fans only we'll have pictures of me and jeff and (laughs) we'll we'll make a calendar
1: calendar. (laughs) oh shit instead of thunder down under it's mma on the rocks calendar edition holy shit yeah
0: It's just us like holding bottles of whiskey over our junk. <laughs> oh man.
1: I right. wouldn't put it past you guys. That's the best part. <laughs> this,
0: this took a turn real quick. Let me let me get us back on track here real quick because Serena, I did <laughs> ask you on the show for a reason. And I don't need a reason to ask you on the show. Of course, you're welcome anytime. You're one of our favorite people to have on here.
1: Why, and, thank you.
0: And we also don't need a reason. To ever have autism awareness because it should yeah. be going on all the time but into that. it
1: mm-hmm. does
0: happen to be autism awareness month which is kicked off by world right. autism awareness day on april 2nd and mm-hmm. for those who don't know serena you are someone who has autism and happen to be a professional mm-hmm. mixed martial artist i would like to hear how you define autism for our listeners here
1: Well, autism isn't always so defined. I mean, it's a spectrum for a reason. I mean, I've said this before. My siblings are all on the spectrum. So even within a family, it differs on how it affects people. Mm -hmm. My brother doesn't have the sensory issues I have. I don't have, you know, the um, processing issues he has. So it's different. So with autism, we have some stereotypes and, you know, and let me get my glasses on. We have kind of the same characteristics, but people don't look for it Um, you know, like our speech, you know, speech issues, you know, things with our interpersonal, you know, relations and stuff like, and our sensory issues, but mm-hmm. all of them will be different from person to person. Like my autism is not the same as my students who are on the spectrum who I teach, you know, and some are low needs like myself and some are high needs, you know, which are the ones you see, stereotyped in the media and also fear mongered about about like mm-hmm. at this time with autism awareness we have groups such as autism speaks and you know talk about finding a cure for autism shit like that and it's just like we don't need to be cured yeah it shouldn't be even be like you said autism awareness month there should be autism acceptance mm-hmm. we should be learning to accept autism in yeah. where it is you know all throughout our lives you know yeah but I'm great we still have ways to go but I'm happy we've made progress. We now live in a time where we know what autism is but we have still yet to figure out how to accept it mm-hmm. in the you know in everyday life. Like when I got diagnosed it was the early 2000s. No one knew what autism was. In fact my parents were like what the hell is autism when I first got my diagnosis but when it fit they're like oh my god. Mm. You know this was the answer the entire time not the decade or, or so of you know, me being on medicines for diagnoses I'd never had, you yeah. know? so we're making progress, but we need to make more, recognizing, you know, you know, neurodivergence where it is and how to adapt to said people, because like, I may be autistic, but I'm not saying, oh, take it easy, I'm autistic, give me preferential treatment, I'm like, hey, 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 give me a few seconds, and I'll, re- I'll readjust or help me Get Uh through this because I want to. I want to learn. I want to function, be part of society, but I'll need a little help. What we really want as autists is we want people are, you know, our neurotypical or people without autism to help us. That's it.
0: Can you explain? Can you explain real quick what neurodivergence is?
1: So neurodivergence is anything that is pretty much different with the brain, like being autistic. PTSD, ADHD, just any of those diagnoses, technically, make you know, they all make you neurodivergent, mm-hmm. meaning your brain is not wired like everybody else's. People who don't have these kind of diagnoses are called NTs or neurotypicals because their brains are typical, like pretty much everybody else's, because things like trauma or being born with something neurologically different, your brain is wired different, so you're neurodivergent.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that. thank you for clarifying that. And I think you touched on some great points there. And I think that part of the problem is, we need to get away from the awareness because everybody's kind of aware, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, autism, I heard of that. We need to get to an understanding of autism. Mm-hmm. And like you said, an acceptance. Um, so what what's one of those like stereotypes that you would really like to see go away? And, and how can we how can we kind of help facilitate that as a as a First
1: and foremost, species. I would like I would like to see that whole lighted up blue go away. So the whole premise between for lighted up blue and the color blue associated with autism is that people thought that autism only affected boys. ADHD mm. kind of went through that same thing where people thought ADHD only affected boys as well. So women like myself would either be delay have their diagnosis delayed, like they would throw any and every other diagnosis under the sun before thinking that a girl was autistic because how girls are on the spectrum are different than how boys are on the spectrum. And it's the same thing with ADHD, how women act on with ADHD is different than how boys are. It's just, I guess how we're wired. I don't know. But that whole lighted up blue is because doctors believed only boys had autism. It's pretty condescending thinking that only one gender could have autism when the other can't. So it means Women for, I've met women who are diagnosed at my age because doctors denied them the right diagnosis and they suffered so much for it. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing I want to see go away. The other thing I want to see go away is the whole, you know, kind of pendulum with autism. Like when we see autism in the media, they're either the, you know, savants who are really, really good at what they do and their autism is a gift. Or we see the polar opposite where we see parents like, And this is where Autism Speaks does really well. Is they fear monger. They get parents on their thing, talking about how their child, you know, being an autism parent is so hard, and their child is this and that, and just making autism seem like this very feared thing. When in reality, not every case is going to be your high needs case, but Mm. you know, not everybody you need on the spectrum is going to be the low needs. You know, blends in really well. Like for me, I expend a lot of fucking energy to seem normal because I live in fear of making social faux pas, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just my personal thing. And I literally had a case manager from when I was 13, when I first got diagnosed till I was 20. So I'm 28 now, I've been eight years basically without a Jiminy cricket on my shoulder, you know, explain to me how the world works because for people, when they get their autism diagnosis, they could be going their entire lives thinking, you know, their way of thinking was Was wrong. And now they have to learn life all over. Like my sensory issues, I thought everybody went through them and I was just the weakling who didn't get, who didn't, you know, cope well. And I wanted to hide me being weak because Mm -hmm. of where I grew up. So when I learned my sensory issues and all my other interpretations on how things work was wrong, I basically felt like I was learning life all over again. And even to this day, I still ask questions like, is it this way because I'm autistic? Or is it this way because it's really how the world works? Hmm. And that anxiety never goes away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for, you know, bringing all that to light. And, of course, we we always enjoy giving you the platform here to do so. So so people can come to that kind of understanding. And you also don't have to worry about any of those social faux pas because we built a career on that with this mm-hmm. show. <laughs>
1: That's kind of what That's we're all I'm about <laughs> That's why I love on I can be – I can have – a more social faux pas in this profession than anything else, so it's perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, well, eh, I can beat you up, so it doesn't matter yeah, what you also, <laughs> also, yeah.
1: also, there's Social faux pas, and there's Tito Ortiz, social faux pas, so I blend in perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, he has love. I mean, much love to Tito. I'm not giving him any shit, but he makes me feel like I am okay, so thank you, Tito.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, there's entire accounts dedicated to to sharing Tito Ortiz clips, and I think I follow all of them because – they're awesome just like is even just like his typos that that turn what he's trying to say into something else and it's it's, it's just great. so epic but um yeah we went from uh, us posing on calendars to autism awareness but uh jeff you have any thoughts or or questions for serena on this before we move on to some mma stuff
2: No, uh, uh, Serena, I agree with you 100% on everything. And like you said, it is a spectrum. So, you know, as a teacher, you know, you guys know this already. But um, as a teacher, I've had students on both ends, you know, students who, you know, couldn't speak. But I also had students who um, were absolutely brilliant. And, you know, it was little things for them, like, hey uh and they would and i i would let them know, like, for example, I had this one student one year who uh if it got too loud, you know he wouldn't like it, so I would let him listen to music while he was getting his work done, like just those little adjustments uh make a huge difference, so you know you 100%. gotta think, yeah, so you just gotta take it case by case um and bill i i I gotta plug my the readers here because um I actually read a book a couple years back that uh, made me look at autism and and you know different neurological uh, issues differently. It's called um, the Curious Case of the Dog in the Nighttime. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that book. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good book. A uh, really good read. And you know the main character, he's a little out t- he's on the spectrum, and uh, the way he looks at things is very different. So for example, um, all the chapters are numbered, but they're only prime numbers. So it goes like one, uh, nine, uh, and then from there. Uh, so, yeah, really good book. Really interesting to see, you know, how he thought, how he approached things. Uh, for example, he doesn't like to hug his, you know, he, sometimes uh, it's a thing with touch. So he doesn't like to be hugged. But him and his dad have this, like, high five. That's a very specific way that they do. And that's their version of a hug. So really good book uh, in case anybody wants to, you know, just understand it a little bit more.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And, uh, you know, one one misconception that we can clear up here right now is that people who have autism are perfectly capable of accomplishing the same things as everyone else because we have with mm-hmm. us a professional mixed martial artist who happens to have just fought two times in one night. At mm-hmm. an and Invicta I was not event even
1: hurt
0: in March. <laughs> um, so you got your first win in Invicta, and it had to be a little bit bittersweet because in the same night, you got another loss in Invicta. But um, can I, what I, and, and we can talk about the, the judging of that second fight as well. Oh, we well. can talk
1: about all of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But what, <laughs> what, um what I'm really interested in from you is, is one, um, can you clear something up for me? Like, are these counted as professional fights or are they counted as exhibitions no. because they were three rounds?
1: They're counted as exhibitions. So how the tournament mm. worked Ooh, excuse me. Is every one round fight was exhibition? The finals, however, which was a three round affair, that would have been counted toward the record. Mm. So, as we go through the fight, so I recently made a switch with my Muay Thai coaching. Um, I switched over to having Marvin Beastman Eastman as my Muay Thai coach. I've loved his classes in the the past at Cynic, yeah, and I've seen him work with other students and. People he worked with are just monsters. And I wanted that. And I started working with him. I only worked with him for three weeks for this camp.
2: Because oh, I was wow. looking
1: for, you know, and you could just see the difference. Night and day in my Muay Thai game just changed. I've never hit somebody with an elbow before. And I landed a lot of elbows my last fight, like a lot. So I had Marvin the Eastman and Roxy as my cornerman. And we don't find out in those tournaments who we fight until ceremonial weigh-ins. Literally, they pick your name out of a box. Yeah. And um, I fought my first fought, uh, fight I had was against Carrie Kennison. That was bittersweet for me because Carrie is a wonderful human being. My Invicta debut, both me, my team, and her team, because we're trying to navigate where to go to eat dinner, we both ended up having dinner at a nice Japanese place uh, near, the, near the hotel. So we're eating there, we're chatting, we're enjoying each company. Like she's a cool girl. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I mean, I'm thinking in the back of my head, man, it's gonna really suck about to fight her. Lo and behold, the first fucking match I get, the first match it goes is me and her. I'm like, I'm just smiling, but inside I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so,
0: Destiny's a motherfucker. Yeah.
1: Oh, isn't it? But what was insane is Tapology gave me a fifteen fucking percent chance to win that fight. Fifteen percent because. Carrie's got five professional fights, and her last fight was against Lisa Verzoza, who is one tough bitch, by the way, and so I go in there, I'm like, all right, let's see what we got, so, you know, after that temper, I was happy because I got to rap to run the jewels while I'm coming out, so I was really happy, you know, I got that going for me, and then that initial, you know, time distortion when the round begins, I'm like, oh, I'm in the air, fuck Cause she shot on such a great double leg that I was literally on one foot at one time when she finished and I'm literally just holding it here. I'm like, okay, she's got to do something because she's not doing something. She's just hold, snuggling me here. You know, she has to buy me dinner first. No, I'm <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm strictly dickly, but I still love making those jokes. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that actually cracked y'all up. Oh, <laughs> okay. man. So I'm listening to Roxy because she literally took me down right to my corner. So I'm listening to Roxy tell me what to do. And I'm, ha- I'm like kind of ha- having a hard time distinguishing right from left for some stupid reason. But then I get up and I'm just holding on to her. I'm just trying to do everything out of my knees. And I'm trying to work with Marv's telling me the elbows and how to throw my elbows and they're uh-huh. landing. It's just like when that one hit, I'm like, oh, oh, my God. It's like discovering a new power when you elbow somebody. I'm just like, I'm like, I want to do this more. Elbow, elbow, elbow. <laughs> you know, using my clinch to, dic- to dictate just to feel where she is, like if she's shooting in or not. Because the, the last few takedown attempts when I was up with her until like the last 30 seconds, I was feeling where she was going. So I was able to stop her, mm. you know, and I just did my thing and – yeah, it was a good fight. Um, downstairs, we're getting our doctor's exams. I'm seeing her crying. and I get it. As a fighter, I mean, when you win, it's like the highest highs. When you lose, you feel like you want to jump off a fucking bridge half the time. So I'm just sure. like, I'm hugging her. I'm telling her, like, look, regardless of what happens, you're getting beer and ice cream. I regret it. I didn't get a chance to do that because I didn't see her after the fights. But she knows I still owe her that, so I'm doing that because I'm a nice person. So we to cover, hit mitts little impromptu interview quarterfinals read and i'm going against um taylor Bordado. i didn't know you could win a fight snuggling somebody on the fence and still and have your cheek cut open your ear look like it's eight months pregnant and you get held more on the fence and get outstruck. I never knew you could win a fight like that. So I'm probably going to do a GoFundMe for those two judges who gave that fight to her because clearly they need some glasses, and I can help them with
0: that. <laughs> All right. Well, and, um, yeah,
1: whenever, yeah whenever, that, whenever this pandemic clears up, that's the first fight I want because if I can inflict mm-hmm. that much damage in one round, imagine what's going to happen in three.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the official call-out against Taylor Guardado then. Um, but talk to me about, um, what, what I'm interested in, because this isn't something that, that happens too often anymore, but it used to back in the day. And that's fighting more than once in one night. So describe that kind of like, just, just the emotions of like, you get ready for the fight and you're warmed up and you go out there and you get the first one out of the way and you win and you have that, that highest of high, but then it's like, Oh, I got to change gears and I got to refocus and i got another fight coming up D- describe that it kind of in between for me
1: so for me my mindset was different yeah i won the first one but but to me even though every my family came out and hugged me and everything and my friends i was just like it ain't over yet like i wasn't i wasn't in that highest of high modes mm. yet like mm. i had a goal in mind i wanted to fight on and i wanted to be in the finals and i feel those fucking judges robbed me of that and i'm still pretty pissed off at them about that rightfully but, um, so Oh, yeah. Everybody online, everybody in person, like they all all the people on the floor came down and like surrounded me, high five me saying I won that. And that's when you hear that one little big burst of cheers It's because I walked out the cage. They all knew who won. The judges were shit, probably playing Fruit Ninja, but I was just angry and ready to go. That's just who I was all the way downstairs, just angry, ready to go the entire way.
0: They're all playing Fruit Ninja on their iPhone 4s.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like doing that, whatever they is, because they clearly were not watching that fight. Yeah. So the entire mode of that night was, fuck you, you're in my way. Hmm. And that's the mindset I need to stay in because I've experimented with different mindsets in the past. I've done, you know, all sorts of different stuff. But ultimately, anger and rage has been the one that's, that's been the most beneficial. So yeah, that's where I was at the entire time. Fuck you. You're in my way. Get out.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody has their own approach that, you know, there's no, there's no one way to do it. Um, and that, that goes for everything, but especially fighting. I mean, some people are best when they can stay calm. Some people are best mm-hmm. when they're joking around. Some people are best when they get fierce and get angry. Um, so mm-hmm. I, the, the good thing that that came out of this whole experience is that, you, you know, you, you kind of know the direction you need to go in. You you, you mm-hmm. want that rematch with Taylor uh, and, you know, the mindset you have to have going into that fight. So that's awesome, man. Oh, and I,
1: wa-
0: I want to congratulate I made- you on that first win in Invicta, you know, even, even if it was an exhibition, I mean, that's got to feel good to get that she under your belt a at least.
1: Bitch. Oh, hundred percent. She was still a tough bitch. And, um, <laughs> just like I overall, it was a good night because Hey, I made Two fights worth of money. Nice. B, you know, it didn't count on my record. So I got the mm. experience. I got everything out my way, but I still made money and it didn't count on my record. So that gives me some feedback. I need to work, work with Marv and my other coaches and, and especially Mike Pyle, because those boxing hands definitely mm. was my was a Mike Pyle specialty. So I also got to give Mike Pyle some credit there, too, because we work on boxing a lot together. Awesome. Shout shout um, out to a UFC
0: veteran, Mike Pyle.
1: Yeah. I miss all my coaches. I miss all my teammates. This shit's so weird. Like training by myself. Like I'm grateful. I have a rollout mat that I have like a rollout wrestling mat in my garage Hmm. and some puzzle piece mats. And my brother is a former varsity wrestler, but it's not the same. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's different. Every, everybody's kind of dealing with it their own ways, but especially those of us who, who kind of, you know, get our highs off training combat sports. It's, it's not so easy being in the house um, for, for someone like myself, I had to watch frozen four times today um, and and I couldn't end that day choking somebody. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no all right, so I've had to watch this movie so many times I gotta b- bring this question up to the group. So for anybody who's never seen Frozen, it's like this princess, her parents die and like she gets in a fight with her sister and she has these magic powers she hit her whole life that she can freeze shit with her hands and uh, she reveals that she has the powers again and she runs away into the mountains and she builds herself an ice palace. Here's what's troubling me about this. What is Elsa's toilet made out of in this ice palace that she made for herself? Because she didn't have a plumber come up on this mountain and build her a toilet. She's got to be sitting on an ice toilet.
1: You know, only you would think of these ideas. Anyways, <laughs> how, how do you know she didn't coat it with like something like fur or something? How do you know that it's not like a slide that empties out the back of the castle out somewhere else? I mean, well, only you but the, would ask the, these fucking questions. But the slide's
0: got to be made I'm of ice, too. I'm not drunk enough
1: for this question. So, Jesus
0: Christ. <laughs> so, so anything wet that touches it is going to freeze. <laughs> so when she goes to the bathroom, it's all just going to freeze there. Like, does she just have, like, a frozen stockpile of, of like, her excrement? there like how oh, does this how of christ how does this work like <laughs> we know she didn't have a plumber come up there and run like a pvc line through the ice that that would just drain everything i don't know this you is what i really think you about- really need
1: to get in your backyard
0: more just <laughs> yikes <laughs> You know, after the, if you watch this movie five hundred fucking times, you'd be thinking about these things too. I
1: have, I had when it came out years ago, when all my siblings were that age. That was my sister's favorite movie for years. Oh. All right, and yet I didn't go down that rabbit hole. You did.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's a me problem then, Jeff. Any it thoughts on the new problem? Any thoughts on the ice toilet, there? Would you? <laughs> I know you would want to sit
2: on an ice toilet. I mean, I've never watched this movie, so Molly question is, does the does the sister have ice powers too, or is it just the no. one? No. No, it's, it's only the Elsa.
0: One. The sister just has the power to be like extraordinarily annoying.
2: So does and does no. the one with ice powers have like a different mom? Is that why she even has ice powers? No,
0: no they what? never really explain why she has powers, and the parents are just like, just hide it. Just they put did, it, they on did it
1: in the it. next movie. They did Frozen too. Yeah, but that's another thing you got to sit through. Yeah.
0: <laughs> bro. Oh, I've I've seen that one many times too. But to the the kiddo is more of a fan of the first one because of the songs. So <sighs> here here we are, five hundred times watching Frozen. Then in, her her other one is Monsters Inc. That we've been watching over and over again.
1: Well, which, that's on you for not exposing to new fun movies. So no, I no, no I,
0: I I expose her, but these are the only two movies she'll actually sit through.
2: So I,
1: I the try... of Egypt or something. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, wait, show we're... her toy story or something.
0: No, we'll get in. No, she's not into the toy story. We'll get five or 10 minutes into something else. And she'll be like monsters, monsters, Anna Elsa. And I'm like, no, why
1: don't you watch this? Anything else? The Incredibles. Oh, wait for all those with Disney plus, you know, that new Pixar movie onwards out streaming there, right?
0: Yeah. We tried to watch that one too. She wasn't feeling it. We were we, we got our we we got her pizza, sat her on the couch with the pizza, we put the movie on, it was a whole thing. Uh in any case, Serena, what are you sipping on over there while we're doing this? That's the I important got a land version. shark and
1: I just I just finished it. And nice. Yeah. So that that will happen probably some sativa later for my aching ass legs. And yeah, that'd be it. <laughs>
0: Awesome. So you just pounded a land shark. I'm, I'm here with the beer called Florida, man. I'm pretty sure there's meth in it. So (laughs) this could be a wild night. Wait, is it,
1: is it meth from the person or is it from the meth riddled alligators?
0: Um, it may be a little of both. (laughs) Uh, uh, it's from cigar city brewing company. It's a double IPA. It's 8.5%. Um, (laughs) and I have been chasing it with some hundred proof whiskey. So, um, that, that, this is how I'm dealing with watching frozen 500 times and not choking anybody. This I've resorted to alcohol.
1: Mm-hmm. I In mean, case, it, whatever works. Like I've been, I've been here and again, you know, having that, having some week getting crossfaded and playing video games online with people, but that's about it. So if anybody wants to hear me be really, really animated on, on PS4, please let me know. <laughs>
2: All right, Serena. So, yeah, why but, don't you make a Twitch while you do all this? People, the fans can watch you play video games.
1: Play a what? What?
2: Uh, Twitch. Do you know what that is? It's the. It's a.
1: I do have a Twitch, but I don't. I need to get a better headset because, like, some mm. people are saying they don't hear me, and I make all sorts of interesting insults, like you cock juggling. Thund-
0: oh no, she cut out.
2: Oh, right, man. right Yo, after cock juggling. It yeah i wanted to hear the rest of that insult
0: we don't know what these people are doing while they're juggling cocks now <laughs> <laughs> all right maybe maybe again will, will kick back in here um I, i've noticed that there's been a lot of problems with internet because um everybody's on the
2: internet so what oh,
0: happened i don't know you froze right after cock juggling
2: yeah, I wanted to hear the rest Weird. of that insult.
1: So, you will. Cock juggling thunder cunt. And <laughs> nice. I call somebody, I've call i also called people hippotuanimuses online. Like, I have all the insults.
0: Hippotuanimus.
2: I like that one. That's, yeah. that's my favorite. That's yeah, catchy. I like that one too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to throw that mm-hmm. at somebody. I like that.
1: Please do. And use it freely. Because that's the kind of stuff I say. On. It's one thing to curse, but it's one thing to curse artistically.
2: Yeah, Sarita, you could be like the female Demetrius Johnson, where you have your own esports team while also being an MMA fighter. But also, you have a personality.
1: Cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have that <laughs> on Demetrius Johnson. You're already a step ahead of him.
1: Yep, I have a personality more than these hoes.
2: That's right, and and you can make weight, so you got that going for you. And you That's already right, don't respect these right. hoes. <laughs> so nope, no
1: respect right. for these hoes.
0: We um we had a request from uh from a listener. Shout out to my buddy Fletch who who listens every week, I believe, uh, up in Ohio, and he asked us to uh come up with our top five fights that never happened, um that, that were kind of hyped up a little bit and then kind of fell apart. So, um I know I asked both of you guys to to think about this question. We I'm sure our lists are going to look very similar, um but. You know, shout out to Fletch again for for making the suggestion. So we're gonna we're gonna run through this. I think, and I and I told both of you off air like Khabib and Tony is is a given. Obviously, like, that's 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 the number one. That's the one we need to see. That's the one that's cursed and jinxed and whatever else you want to say about it. And for now, we're not gonna get to like, see it.
1: Put some sage around that shit, like clear the aura, and let them fight. You know?
0: Yeah. That, that whatever. Whatever is stopping that fight from happening is a hippopotamus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll, we'll just uh, go around the room. I'll start with you, Jeff. give me uh, give me one of your top five fights that, that never came together that you always wanted to see.
2: All right, Bill, you know I'm a Dominic Cruz fanboy. I make you know I'm not gonna deny it. So number one on my list and I mean they're not really numbered, but this is just the first one I'm gonna give you is Dominic Cruz versus Henan Barrow. So you got to understand here, this is, I'm talking pre-USADA, where you could well, you could dehydrate yourself.
1: Somewhat, and then, yeah.
2: And then get an IV put in you, and nobody would bat an eye. And this is like, you know, Hedden Barrow in his prime. Before he was on the undercard, before he went on like a 35 fight losing streak, before TJ Dillashaw murked him uh, versus a primed Dominic Cruz, uh, no injuries, you know. This fight was supposed to happen, you know. When TJ did fight him the first time, uh, Barao, I mean, and uh, I just I felt like both of them, you know, both undefeated, basically in the UFC, both crazy good fighters, uh, super super good records, had beaten each one had beaten a murderer's row. Of bantamweight here. So, you know, unfortunately, Dominic Cruz got injured again. You know, unfortunately, that's been his career, a lot of bad luck. But that fight, oh man, I, I, dude, I like my mouth starting to water just talking about that fight.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, that's one that, that, that can never come together. Like, even if it did now, it wouldn't be the same circumstances because Barat was a world beater at the time. And it, and Mm -hmm. it seemed like he was going to destroy anybody they put him in there with. And, Dillashaw was a huge underdog in that first one. And that changed the course of the whole division. Um, so that I
1: was there live. That was my first live UFC event. Actually was seeing Barrow and Dillashaw. That mm-hmm. shit was intense.
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, cause, cause nobody kind of expected that result. And, and a lot of people, and especially newer fans don't remember like what a monster Barrow was, especially because of his record as of late, um, Post Usada, mm-hmm. I guess you could say maybe it's a coincidence. Correlation does not um does not I just feel causation. so sad for
1: the dude. He's had such a fall from grace and like everybody like talks <laughs> shit about him now. It's just like, come on now. You know, yeah, coincidence is a side, but like everyone's still pumping up TJ Dillashaw even though he used fucking EPO intentionally. Mm-hmm. like we all pump up uh Dillashaw, who has done extraordinary things but we've proven he's intentionally used stuff versus Barrow where it's still up in the air to circumstance you know yeah
0: that is ironic because it, whenever brow comes up it's like well when you saw the around he went downhill and it, he lost to a guy who we know cheated so that's a, that's mm-hmm. an interesting point uh so what what's uh what are the ones you have on your list here serena
1: I wanted to see Dos Anjos versus McGregor actually. That would have been a fun mm. fight. That was my that was my, you know, fight I wanted to happen that never has. Because everything was there, but I really think that at that time Franken Pettis, as he's affectionately called, was really on a tear and I really thought he would have brought it to McGregor. But Injuries happened. Then we had another unintentional fight that happened that actually was something I really enjoyed watching because fuck yeah, Diaz brothers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's something that came out of left field. Um, uh, This was actually a fight I was considering putting on my list too. I was bouncing it around a little bit but because that's one I really wanted to see. I don't think enough people talk about the fact that that fight was supposed to happen because Mm -hmm. everything that happened afterwards with McGregor and Diaz
1: pretty much overshadowed it, yeah.
0: Yeah, it became it became such a spectacle, um, the rivalry between those two that everybody forgets that Diaz was on a boat drinking tequila, uh, you know, in the, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and he he came in on on like seven eight days notice to fight McGregor, um, and, and submitted him. Uh, so yeah, that's that's total definitely a good one. G
1: status, that is total G status. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, he definitely doesn't get enough credit for that. Uh, <laughs> You know, coming in cold, drinking drinking Patron out on a a fishing boat. Or oh, yeah, right.
1: I thought he was on a yacht, but yeah, <laughs> whatever he was dope. On. Yeah,
0: <laughs> whatever whatever boat he was on, but he was out there. Um, I'm I, I'm gonna give. I hate to give like a real obvious one, but this was one that like uh, I I was so excited for at the time, and it was John Jones and Rumble Johnson. Yeah. And it was just like that this is the fight that the light heavyweight division needed at the time. And it was booked. And, you know, they did the whole thing where they pranked Dana White, like they were gonna they pretended they were gonna get into it at the press conference and mm-hmm. and scared the shit out of them. Um, but you know, you knew it was gonna be fireworks in that fight, and, and you pretty much knew it was gonna go one of two ways. It was gonna be Rumble knocking John Jones out. Uh, and, and being the first person to ever finish him, or it was going to be Rumble gassing out and John Jones just putting that pace on him into the later rounds. But it, it was still something you wanted to see. And even though we saw, you know, Rumble against DC, you, you know, MMA math doesn't really work. And, and the other thing about no, it was, no, it
1: doesn't.
0: Was uh, Rumble took DC down. Um, so, you know, it, there, there's always that outside chance. But like maybe you could have taken John Jones down, maybe you could have ground and pounded him a little bit and war, war on him, and uh, we we could have seen some, John Jones go through some things that we never saw him go through before, and then, you know, there's that undeniable power, Rumble Johnson, he, you know, unbelievable oh, this yeah. guy used to fight at 170 pounds, but um, yeah, I don't know, I thought it, I the more I look over my list, the more I have, like, the obvious ones, but it's like, that was a fight, I was so bummed we never got, and it's probably yeah. out of the question now, you know, there's been rumors of Rumble coming back, but I think the circumstances just aren't right. But
1: yeah, he looks a little too. He looks pretty happy with a uh, retirement life. I, he stopped by at a syndicate once, I think, um, because my uh, wrestling coach was his wrestling coach, Neil Mellinson. So he stopped in for a little bit of work and training, which is really cool. And mm-hmm. yeah, he looks happy with retirement life, and I can't blame him. I mean, he's still making money, and he's like, what doing work with them bare knuckle boxing so i mean hey get that money
0: yeah yeah he might get in there and uh, and do one of those or or maybe he just shows up to, to collect a check but yeah uh, big shout out to neil melanson one of one of my personal uh grappling icons catch wrestler um healthy life <laughs> <laughs> um, no,
1: that's it, it's it is the filth life i mean i've been watching his dvds and shit um, since I've been stuck inside, like shameless plug, I got his shin wizard system. I've been watching
2: you know, here and
1: again because I am a good student, you yeah. know, even though I am. I mean, my poor brother has to be my my guinea pig, basically, but we're learning. So yeah. that's something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Filthy and nasty is a good way to describe Neil's grappling. It's really vicious stuff. Uh, it, it, well, it's that's tough. his
1: nickname. His, his nickname is the godfather of filth. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it it's the kind of stuff that you don't want to do to people you like. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Jeff, true, what do we got? True. What do we got next on the list here, bud?
2: All right, Bill. So my next fight was actually Rumble versus John Jones, but I'll give you another one. Okay. Um so um this is in the heavyweight division. I wanted to see uh Daniel Cormier fight Brock Lesnar. Um now I know that's probably on a couple Me
1: of people too! That, that was I, on my list.
2: Yeah, so um, and I know it's probably on like a bunch of people's lists, but like I have a, a reason outside of like the WWE thing. Listen, Brock Lesnar had a great record in college wrestling, but that's only because he was about 40 pounds heavier than everybody else in his weight class. This guy was gigantic. So When you have, like, decent wrestling and you're bigger than everybody, you can get by. So I wanted to see DC and how he would approach the grappling aspect of of having to deal with, you know, the monster that is Brock Lesnar. I feel like DC could definitely out-wrestle him. You know, he works with Cain Velasquez, and we saw Cain Velasquez um, really, really go to work when they were on the ground. So I I was really excited to see DC and Brock Lesnar uh, and how they were going to approach grappling. And, you know, Brock Lesnar is somebody who doesn't like to get punched in the face and dc is happy to punch you in the face man so i was really excited for that one unfortunately i guess wwe is just paying him more money um and they're letting him use all the steroids he wants so i doubt we're gonna mm-hmm. see that
1: happen basically in the
0: yeah i mean the ufc kind of let him use all the steroids he wants too. i mean they 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 got him the usada exemption when he came in for ufc 200 uh, against Mark Hunt where he was supposed to be like tested for six months and they're like, nah, he's good. We'll, <laughs> we'll take his word for it. Um, but yeah, the grappling would have been interesting there, but I, I can, I can ruin the ending for you. Jeff DC would have manhandled him. Um, he-
2: cause Brock has he's Brock got had- 40 pounds on him. It doesn't
0: matter. Cause Brock has a great blast double, but he's not getting under DC's hips. Cause DC's too short and compact. And, and in the clinch, like DC is just way too tricky. Um, you know, he would have he would have tied Brock Lesnar up. He would have knotted him up, and then once he got him on the ground, like Lesnar's a blue belt, DC's a black belt. That's just that's just how it would have it gone. Very similar He's to DC, the facts. And DC and Rumble. I mean, it's you know, how many times have you seen a black belt grapple a blue belt? Like once it's on the ground. Um and DC's on Me top. Me and Roxy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, which uh, congratulations to your buddy Roxy on her recent black belt. This is awesome. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Well deserved. <laughs> uh, so what do you got next on your list, Serena?
1: Can all the fights on 249 count? Like, <laughs> let's be honest, this card, this, card, this card was not happening, but I was so happy to see uh, Souza and Uriah Hall was on that card to fight. That would have been fucking fireworks because you got you got Soza who's a great grappler and just can throw the hands, and you got Uriah Hall who, even though he's not like he was on Tough, he's still an exciting fight. He's still got crazy knockout potential. Just and when he does knock you, he's normally off of something really fucking cool. Like mm. I'm I'm upset that card's gone because. We have a literal clash of styles, and no matter what was going to happen, that fight was going to be absolute, just just fire.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and great grappling defense does Uriah Hall have? Remember his last fight with Shoeface, who's
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know he had him on his back for like a whole round and survived. Yeah,
1: he just yeah he just didn't give a fuck. He just kept going.
0: Yeah, he just wore that backpack. Right on through, and then wound up winning the fight. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a good pick. Um, let me see what I want to do next here. I'm going to go with another obvious one here, um, and and it's a fight that was that I feel like the UFC was gearing up for, both fighters were gearing up for, and a, another thing where circumstances made it collapse, and that's Ronda Rousey and Cyborg. Mm, um,
1: oh yeah, good choice, yep.
0: Like this was this was something that was everybody kind of knew like, oh, once cyborg comes over, you know, Rhonda's just Shit's destroying everybody. She's gotta move up. You know, she was a big one thirty-five kinda. And and there was so much shit talk between these two. They were finally in the same organization. And then yeah, you know, along comes a high kick from Holly Holm. And it's like, well, that's the end of that. And the and that story ended the way it ended, with with Amanda Nunez beating Ronda Rousey and then going in to, to demolish Cyborg. So we'll never know kind of how that one was going to go down. Like Cyborg being undefeated for like 13 years or whatever it was and, mm-hmm. and, and Ronda Rousey being undefeated. Um, that was the time to make that fight. It would have been a blockbuster, but unfortunately, you, you know, it never kind of came together. Um, we
1: all know why though we all know why that didn't happen favoritism
0: <laughs> yeah well i think they were building up to it too i think they, they were like oh, let's take our time nobody's going to beat ronda nobody's going to beat mm. cyborg let's like you know let's really build up the hate between these two and it's like well things w- can not always work. Been a
1: work. there w- there was going to be 100% regardless of how that was that was there was going to be a work involved mm. i mean that's one thing the promotions really good at is with the work like right now you see how the court of public opinion has turned on Habib because he can't fly out of Russia, and then Dana says, "Oh, but there's private charter flights come out of Russia." I'm like, "Hmm." And now I'm saying, "Oh, khabib was a pullout master." Oh my goodness! And it's just yeah. like, "Bitch, where he doesn't even know where the fight is gonna be. How is he gonna pull out when <laughs> the country he normally train is is basically fucking closed? Yeah. He's defending his belt, obviously he's gonna go where the training is in his home state, in his home country, with his family." And he doesn't know where the fuck he's flying to. It's just like yeah. – and we've seen that before. Like we saw when Cyborg said she wanted a rematch with Newton is um, and how there was a play with that. Like Cyborg said she's getting lowballed, and the UFC turns around saying, oh, no, Cyborg's scared of a rematch, a rematch that she's openly claiming for. You have to know there was a work involved. There was going to be a work involved that there was Cyborg versus Ronda
0: yeah yeah well there's there's always got to be conflict to sell a fight and and when there's not mm-hmm. enough conflict between the fighters and the promotion has to play the bad guy sometimes and and come oh, in yeah. and, and kind of play that part but um yeah i mean I, I i make jokes online like anybody else um but at the end of the day if khabib had just said like look there's a pandemic going on i want to be with my family like they, that that's good enough reason for me um because, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, we can't force these guys to fight with all this craziness going on, and and risk getting sick, and risk people's 100%. families getting sick, and yeah. and all this. Like, I want to see it as much as the next person, but uh, y- you know, I, I want to see everybody be safe. I want all the fighters to be safe as well. One hundred
1: percent. Um, Let me tell you right now. When I was going through the airport, going to Kansas City before this thing got full, you know, full blown panic. I almost went from zero to Usain Bolton, in and in McCarran International Airport. I have flown for probably over a decade. Not once have I heard and seen a security breach. Like, alarms going off and shit, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm, like, scanning for exits on my... Keep in mind, I'm at the point where I'm eating, like, maybe a hard-boiled egg every hour. And I'm still, like, about ready to fucking yeet myself out the emergency exit here and that shit.
0: Yeah, I mean. Well- well, that's a scary thing, if too, because ha- cutting yeah. weight, your, your immune system is compromised. Mm.
1: And even after the fights, our immune systems are compromised. There are tons of fighters who I've seen. They get literal chills and shakes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're shaking. Like, for example, my friend, like, I've had some friends who are, after their fights, they get sudden chills that has rendered them unable to drive their vehicle safely home. And, fr- and someone else has had to drive. Because mm-hmm. think about it, your body just went in overdrive with the adrenaline uh, pumping for fifteen to twenty five minutes, and yeah. now after the adrenaline leaves, your all the pain comes back. Your immune system shit because you literally just your body's like, oh my god, I just fought for my life. Yeah. So you, they're the athletes are going to be at risk if this fight happens. Like I love fights, I miss fights. This goddamn quarantine is on, a, you know, planet bullshit in the words of Step Brothers. But I want everyone safe. Yeah. Like. My parents are immune compromised. I'm not, even if a fight was off for a lot of money, I ain't taking that because it's not worth bringing a literal plague into my house
0: for sure. and having
1: my parents all fucked up, you know? Yeah,
0: that's the responsible just, thing to do.
1: It's, I, yeah, it's just, I don't know how people are like, okay, let's go fight in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Do you realize how many other people are at risk? Airport security, airport, you know, pilots and attendants, you know? Camera crews, you know, people who are running the venue and have to clean out the venue. Like, there's an unnecessary amount of people at risk, even if it's a skeleton crew holding this together.
0: Yeah, well, the answer to that is that people are selfish and they're like, "But I'm in quarantine. And I want to be entertained." And it's like, "Great, well, do it
1: yourself, dumb fuck."
0: Yeah, well, or tune into MMA on the Rocks. We still got a show uh, every week. Actually, I had two shows this week. For those who uh, may not be aware, I started a new series called "How I Met the Mat." Uh, The first episode I posted on Wednesday with the great Steve Maraboli. uh, Hanzo Gracie, world champion, jiu-jitsu competitor, and uh, motivational speaker, best-selling author, accomplishment after accomplishment. But uh, go check that out. That's going to be a a new sub-series of MMA on the Rocks. Uh, Jeff, let's keep rolling with these fights that never happened. Um,
2: You got another one for me? All right, give me one second. I gotta pull it up because I have written on my phone. Um <laughs> Bill. This is one that I, I know we haven't been talking good about either of these guys, but I still wanted to see them fight each other. Um, so my next pick is Demetrius Johnson versus TJ Dillashaw. I was so excited for this fight. You know, before the the EPOs, before Demetrius Johnson uh leaving the ufc um you know i i really wanted this fight to solidify demetrius johnson's reign as fly as the first flyweight champion and until that point the only flyweight champion mm-hmm. um and you know it, it just it was so disappointing because um i felt like he was running from tj dillashaw a little bit and tj you know was at the uh, at the peak of his bantamweight weight title reign You know, he'd beaten Cody Garbrandt twice. he had beaten Hedden Barrow twice. Demetrius Johnson cleaned out the flyweight division.
1: Mm.
2: Both of these guys really good on the feet, really good grapplers. Um, So I was just so excited for this style matchup. Unfortunately, it never came together. And now I doubt that'll happen because uh, Dillashaw suspended for a while. Um, Demetrius Johnson is in a whole other organization. So I don't think we're ever going to see that fight. But for me, that was one I was really excited for.
0: Yeah, and I I don't know that he was necessarily running from Dillashaw, but I think his goals were just not in line with what everybody wanted. You know, his goals were to have the most title defenses in a row, and he didn't think that um, Dillashaw would make the weight and it would qualify as a title defense. But then, lo and behold, he fights Ray Borg, who misses weight like every time he fights. Um, the whole thing was just a mess. It made me personally lose interest in that flyweight division. Uh, at the time, uh, I, I since think they've had some exciting fights, but yeah, that was a bummer that that one never came together. I really wish it would have, I would have loved to see mighty mouse go back up to 135 pounds and, and see what he could do there in the UFC. But, uh, you know, he wanted to move on to other things and he's making a lot more money now. So good on him. Uh, Serena, what do you got next?
1: Okay, this is just a hypothetical because I really would have enjoyed it. So back in the day, Rich Franklin versus Matt Hughes. I would have loved to see it, but it never happened.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah, Nate coached against each other on uh, season two, I believe, of The Ultimate Fighter, so they Mm -hmm. had like a little bit of tension there. Um, A little?
1: There was more tension in that than in my last relationship. Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. yeah. Uh, different weight classes, but Matt Hughes, big dude. Um, did, mm-hmm. My only concern there would be Franklin fought. And
1: Rich Franklin had that. Yeah, Rich Franklin had that. Was in that in between weight. You know what I mean? Like he, the weight class he fought at, he kind of had to struggle to stay in, but he was still like too small for the other weight class. Like that's what you know. When I call like the people who claim for a one sixty five, they're in the you know they kind of have that same issue. But I thought that would have been a wonderful stylistic matchup.
0: Yeah, that would have been a fun one for sure because Franklin was such a good striker, uh, very underrated mm-hmm. fighter, uh, especially because... Yeah, fuck with that um,
1: math, math teacher. I, I dare somebody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I always loved Rich Franklin's story. He was one of the guys who who really got me invested in this sport. Like I was always a fan, but he, he really made me want to watch because I was a teacher at the time, and I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. this guy... <laughs> Fuck the tension! This guy, this guy, puts you out. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, that's something I didn't think about. Um, I'm gonna go with like something that was so huge at the time for the the for the like 45 of us who were watching MMA regularly, uh, and that was uh, Randy Couture against Fedor. Uh, this is when oh. Randy was on top of the UFC. Fedor was killing everybody over in Pride and the organizations just couldn't get along enough to to make it come together. I mean, in Dana White's defense, he got screwed a couple of times, sending guys like Chuck Liddell and Guy Metzger over to Pride and never getting anything in return like he was supposed to. Uh, and that's kind of what fucked this fight over from ever happening. But at the time, we had... You know, the two best heavyweights in the world, we knew who they were, but there was no way to get them to fight each other. And it was such a big deal at the time because everybody wanted to see Randy and Fedor. And there was just no way. And by everybody, I mean, you know, the 30 people that watched MMA. <laughs> um, and, and I remember talking to like the three other people I knew who <laughs> like, why can't we get Randy and Fedor? And I know everybody wants to see it. Right, everybody? And this is everybody. What you see behind me? <laughs> uh, but
1: I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I,
0: I think, you know, I, I think we kind of know how that was going to go down because at the time Fedor's hands were just so fast and so dynamic, but we knew Randy could take a beating. We knew his dirty boxing was so on point. We knew his Greco Roman wrestling was enough to put anybody on the ground, but we've seen Fedor deal with nasty wrestlers before. get slammed on his mm-hmm. neck by Kevin Randleman. Uh, one oh, of the most yeah. vicious takedowns <laughs> of all time. And he comes back to submit him. um,
1: like, Like, okay, nothing happened here. I just got slammed my neck, but I'm cool like that. I know, right?
0: Yeah, it's just like everybody watching has spine trauma, but Fedor just takes it off like, ah. It's It's spinal. (laughs) Yeah. I I broke my back. (laughs) It's spinal. What happened, Fedor? Well, I actually broke my back. Kevin Randleman spiked me on my neck. But um I, i'm giving out an order Not here Jesus. but this is probably my number one and it's obviously nothing i want to see happen now uh <laughs> but at the time it was like we have these two guys we know they're both the best in the world like let's get them together somehow and the promotions just couldn't agree on it so
2: it was a yeah. bummer all right what do you got jeff all right bill this is one that i was praying to god would happen and I never did george st pierre versus anderson silva man um there have been kind Mm. of whispers about it there have been a few talks of gsp one move up at the time uh you know and these guys their reigns as light uh as middleweight and welterweight champion kind of um Overlapped each other because everything that, you know, Anderson Silva was for the middleweight division, you know, having what was it like 10 straight title defenses, um, champion for like seven years, you know. GSP was that for the welterweight division. And I, I would have loved to see these guys go at it, man. Just same weight class. I, I don't even put the belt on the line. I don't even care about that. I just want to see how their skills matched up, man. Especially because we saw Anderson Silva struggle against Chill Sonnen's in wrestling and GSP's wrestling. He just mixes it up so well, man. I was watching him. I was watching uh him versus GSP versus Dan Hardy a couple of days ago, man. And just so seamless in his grappling was GSP dude it, it was like flow it, it was like watching a river flow around rocks and stuff that's what his grappling was man he wouldn't struggle for anything he would just move into positions uh just so seamlessly man and anderson silva's no slouch in the grappling department either um you know he won that fight against chill Sonnen uh with that that um that triangle armbar that we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago
1: Mm -hmm. so
2: you know absolutely uh i for me this is probably my top one top two choice as uh the fight that we never got to see was gsp versus anderson silva both of them in their prime
0: yeah this was actually on my list as well um and i i wasn't that into it at the time because i was because gsp was saying like you know it's too much for me and it's a 15 pound difference and i got it and it's like, I, I know they both kind of cleared out. We need a super fight. But at the time, I was like, oh, he's staying. He doesn't want to do it. But then when we saw GSP at 185 against Michael Bisping, I was like, holy shit. Why yeah. couldn't we have gotten him against Anderson a couple of years ago? That would have been awesome. And like you said, his MMA wrestling, uh, best of all time in my book, the way he mixed it up with his striking for a guy who didn't have an amateur wrestling background, yeah. um, it, it's incredible what he was able to accomplish last the sport. And it, it would have been an awesome super fight. All right, what do you got next, Serena?
1: So, since you brought up Pride, there's something I really wish – I'm really mad I haven't seen. Sakuraba versus Rickson Gracie. Mm-hmm. The Gracie hunter hunting down the one – great, like, the Gracie has not been able to get his hands on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, great uh, Sakuraba's a li- little too old, and so is Rickson for that, but I am forever mad Pride never put that to rotation. That it never happened. That would have been excellent because the drama, the actual organic drama, as I call it, in the, in the fight world, the organic ass drama was there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this guy has taken out so many Gracies and he wants more. And then there's Rickson who upholds his family's honor. I mean, that would have been, hey, that would have sold no matter what, just off of that alone. Yeah. And then you look at the grappling accolades of both along with their striking. And it was just like a match made to be in, and like pride heaven. And yet it never happened. I'm still angry. It didn't happen. God damn it.
0: Yeah. That's a great one. That's a really great pick. And I wish we could have seen that too. Uh, it, it's amazing that they didn't put it together because a guy who made his career on beating Gracie's and like yeah. the bat, the baddest Gracie of them all, you would think would be like, I need to fight this guy. Um, yeah but yeah there was there were some no. weird things there was some weird things with Hickson, like the whole i'm 300 no, and no in street fights but but that street fight you know inflated record thing was what the Gracies were out to to prove wasn't real it was it was kind of a weird mm-hmm. dynamic and um yeah i i mean Hickson was was awesome to watch uh in his day but uh against guys who didn't really have jujitsu. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that would have been a really fun one. That's a, that's an awesome pick actually. Um, thank you. I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip me because, uh, Jeff, we had that same one GSP and Anderson, so I'll come back to you, Jeff.
2: All right, Bill. So this is my fifth pick. This is I. I so there's still a chance that this fight could happen, but I highly doubt it just because of some circumstances. I'm going to explain. So this fight that I'd want to see is because I haven't. I also haven't given you any female fights. Is Amanda Nunez versus the only woman to defeat her in the UFC that I can remember anyway, Kat Zingano. Listen, Bill, I've been talking about this for years, man. I still think in my heart of hearts and like 25% in my brain that Kat Zingano is the only woman who can dethrone Amanda Nunez in either weight class. Listen, she did it the first time, um, you know, and she was losing that fight the first time they fought each other. She was losing two rounds to zip. And in the third round, I don't know what came over her, man, but she would just not quit. She would not die and ends up finishing Amanda Nunez. So I think, you know, unfortunately, uh, Kat kind of had some bad luck. She strung together some losses, but I would love to see that fight all over again, man, especially now that Amanda Nunez has grown and evolved so much in the UFC, man. Her striking is just absolutely vicious at this point you know uh she's no slouch grappling either and you know Kat Zingano, i think she can still go toe to toe her toe to toe with her um you know uh provided nothing like crazy happens and she doesn't get a freak injury like when she tore her acl
0: yeah i i mean i i think you make some really great points there jeff but i think it's a really hard fight to sell oh, to absolutely. the public i mean it is her it is her last loss but at the same time like Kat Zingano hasn't done anything that kind of would put her in the kind of spotlight for a shot in there with Amanda Nunez, the the champ champ. Um, you know, if she comes out of nowhere and gets like a spectacular win over somebody, um, then, then I'm on board. I I think we should make it happen. But until then it's a tough sell, but I, I think it's a great point. I, I would love to see how it plays out between the two of them now, especially because of how much Amanda has evolved. All right. You got a fifth one for us, Serena.
1: Yes. Randy Gator versus Crow Cop. Because we Ooh, all know I am a group. Crow Cop stand. I am a Crow Cop stand for life. I don't care if you retired. I don't give a shit. I aspire to be like Crow Cop. Now, they were like the scariest heavyweights of their time. Yeah. You know, both of them. Even if they were in different promotions. But like, by the time Crow Cop did make the jump into UFC, like, Randy was still there, so that fight could have kind of happened, but it never did. We got the literal clash of styles with the great kickboxing of of um crow Cop with his head kicks that just obviously sent people to the floor and the wrestling of Randy couture this was literally the scariest heavyweights and a clash of styles this would have been great for everybody
0: yeah and that's another awesome pick and and yeah that's one that had a better chance of happening than Randy and Fedor, just because Fedor had the weird management and mm-hmm. and refused to come to the UFC because he's like, I want a hundred thirty percent of the pay per view profits or wh- whatever crazy demands he made. But Crow Cop did come over and they were trying to build him up, but then Gabriel Gonzaga Crow coped Crow Cop, uh, and that kind of put yeah, the boss on that. that, made that me cry.
1: It made and me cry that was. A lot
0: that was nobody saw that coming i think the ufc was like yeah he'll knock this guy out and then you know maybe randy will get a win and then we'll get them in there together and that was probably the plan there but you know you just can't you just can't plan so many steps ahead for promoting
1: no you really can't
0: this is why like i always kind of sympathize with the promoters because like they're trying to play like this chess with these pieces that they can't control um and it's a tough thing because you, you want it to play out like X, Y, Z, and this would be the storyline. But then, you know, you all kinds of crazy shit happens. Um, mm-hmm. Which leads me to my last pick, which is kind of more of a personal one for me that we never got to see. And this one had a chance of happening several times. And that's Fedor again against Josh Barnett. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, one.
1: good one. <laughs>
0: We should have seen it in pride. Like, There's no reason it it shouldn't happen. They had so many similar opponents. You know, Noguera, uh, Krokop. They they, they fought a bunch of the same people, but for whatever reason, they couldn't put it together. It was supposed to happen recently in Bellator. I still would have been on board to watch this fight just because they're still like, they're both kind of at the same points in their careers. Um, But then, and we announced this on the show that Barnett failed a test, and And I think everybody kind of assumed it was a steroid test because Josh Barnett and his whole history. But it actually, correction, he failed a a physical test. So he had some kind of physical reason that he wasn't able to fight. Uh And and I think that is still undisclosed. But that was always one for me. I wanted to see, uh, you know, Barnett and Fedor. I I think Barnett is one of those guys that's, uh, you know, still one of the more underrated heavyweights of all time um I, i've always been a, a fan of his style his catch wrestling style he he's one of the few guys who has had kind of an outside of the box style and been able to to be consistently successful with it against top level competition you know win over randy couture um you know grappling win over dean lister submitted him um you, you know he's accomplished amazing things in this sport and Fedor you know, his fade Fedor, So I, I was always disappointed. We, we never got to see this one and I'll throw in a bonus one, um, that, that probably nobody wanted to see, but me, uh, but I'll, I'll throw in this bonus one just because Jeff and I have the same one overlap and that's could and Gregor Gillespie. And huh. I, I feel like Gillespie was kind of on the rise in that division and, and he probably could have worked his way through. And then we would have seen two of the best wrestlers going at it. and, and, I just feel like his tenacious style against Khabib and and his grappling ability, uh, you know, all-American wrestler, um, I I really just, personally, I really wanted to see that matchup. And I don't think it's ever going to happen because of the loss that Gillespie took to Kevin Lee and the fact that I don't think Khabib's going to hang around that much longer in this sport. I think he has a couple more fights that he wants to get under his belt and then he's going to ride off into the sunset and and good on him for that. Uh, But that's one that, that I was really looking forward to kind of culminating down the line, but you can't predict these things. Um, And Mm -hmm. I'll I'll ask. uh, So, so I was kind of thinking about like fights that are kind of dream matchups that still could happen. So I'll, I'll pose that to both of you to, to come up with one right now on the spot. Well, I'll tell you the one that came to mind for me. Um, So dream fight uh, that can happen. That is totally possible. And the one for me, is uh Krone Gracie and Ryan Hall? Uh, that's a, that's a grappler's dream matchup. Um, both have you know some of the best jiu jitsu. Ryan Hall with some of the newer, fancier 50 50 of the legs techniques, and Crone with just the, the Gracie basics where he, he takes you down with an, an inside trip and, and gets on your back and chokes you out. Um, so that kind of stylistic matchup is something that really intrigues me. It's something I would really love to see in the UFC. It would probably end up being a stand up battle, and it, it's unlikely right now because Krone's coming off the loss to Cub Swanson and, and Ryan Hall's, you know, riding a winning streak. And nobody wants to fight him, but I think if Crone wins hmm. one, uh, he and calls out Ryan Hall, they could put that fight together. I think it's still in the realm of possibility. So that's, um, I uh, will leave it to either one of you. If either one of you has thought of one uh that, that you could put together right now. You're the matchmaker. We could have a dream fight uh as soon as this coronavirus pandemic is over. Uh what are we throwing together? I'll leave mm-hmm. the floor. Shit, oh.
1: Let's just finally let's let's just finally get AZ versus John Jones out the way. Just for the hell of it. Just like someone come up, someone come down, let's just let that happen. I would love to see that.
0: All right. Well, we might have to put uh, Israel and Asanya in a New Mexico jail for that, <laughs> <laughs> and we somehow get Asanya arrested in New Mexico. <laughs> we, hey, we look! Can do that. we
1: can have a bare knuckle, if we can have a bare knuckle promotion take place in a Polish prison, I think anything's possible. <laughs> That's fair.
0: That's fair. Um, all right, Jeff, you got one.
2: Well, Bill, this is. Um... This is, you know, assuming that Liam McGeary was still in his prime and hadn't gotten destroyed by Phil Davis and um, Ryan Bader, I think I'd like to see like light heavyweight champion Liam McGeary from Bellator versus John Jones and see like who the better light heavyweight is. Um, I, I just have always liked how Liam McGeary fights, he's long and lengthy, kind of like John Jones. He's a good grappler, good on the feet. So I, I think he could really give Jones kind of a run for his money here.
0: That would have been an interesting one. McGeary in his prime before those couple of losses there, yeah. I mean, but, but we were talking about ones that, are, that can happen, Jeff.
2: Oh, that still can happen? Okay. Yeah. Um, give me another hypothetical. Okay. Uh, honestly, I want to see John Jones versus A. Miasich. Man, let's see what John Jones can do with some extra weight on him, bro. I really want to see him move up to heavyweight. Bill, you know I don't agree with his personal life choices, but the man can fight. So let's see what he could do at heavyweight.
0: Well, he's gonna have a lot of weights to lift in prison. So. Well,
2: yeah, <laughs> and he's, he'll have plenty of practice with a bunch of, you know dudes trying to jump on him and stuff. Yeah.
0: He'll come out looking like Rumble Johnson after he serves. <laughs> All right, uh, we kind of we kind of hit on everything. You know, we started out uh, talking about nude calendars, and then we went to autism, talking about fights that'll never happen, fights that still could happen, uh, fighting twice in one night, and Invicta kind of everything in between serena i'll give the floor to you any sponsors you want to shout out and uh let the people know how they can get a you on social media
1: so y'all can follow me on twitter and instagram at serena southpaw um i just like to thank my sponsors jerky pro um i consumer it um hi a pythons um there's really a lot of sponsors my sports psychologist mario soto I'd like to thank my coaches marvin eastman uh my pile john wood just everybody who's helped me just Thank you all for keeping us alive, and I hope everybody stays safe during this quarantine because it sucks, but we all have to be responsible, even if it sucks.
0: And it does. Did you say hiding some pythons?
1: Hiding desert pythons. I am actually sponsored by a a python um, breeder. Um, He's a really good guy, and he's also involved in the sport a lot. So his name is Antoine Hood. Um, He's up in uh, California, and he makes his... breeds these really cool pythons pythons are nice pythons aren't the poisonous bite your face off type they're just no they'll squeeze the life out of you yeah but they don't the ones he sells don't get to that size at least to Mm. my knowledge and they're really cool looking so those are the only snakes that are allowed in your life every other snake get rid of them
2: (laughs) serena for your next fight you should just come out with a python like jake the snake robert style
1: I mean, it's either that or I'm coming out with my with my cockatoo Ralph. So either or. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, look, birds are involved dinosaurs. I'm fucking winning in this department here.
0: <laughs> That's true. I saw a six foot alligator at the park yesterday. That's like pretty much a still existing dinosaur. And it's still, exactly. Tr- I've been living in Florida almost four years now. It's, and. It, seeing an alligator is like seeing a squirrel here, but it, it still trips me out every time I see him. They're just like there at the park, and nobody. I'm yep. like, holy shit! There's a fucking dinosaur in the water right there, and people are like, "Yeah, we see those all the oh, time." Yeah, that's
1: normal. Um, like, hey, yeah, I lived in South. Yeah, I lived in South Carolina for a year, and that was the thing there too. It's just like, oh shit, it's right there because we lived off of a river where we mm. were. So you see those motherfuckers walking around the apartment complex. Uh, uh is anybody seeing this? Like, oh yeah, that's normal. Like, okay i guess it is Yeah. like put my dog on the other side but so I'm like between the alligator and, the, and my dog just yeah. looking at it it's just like totally chilling
0: <laughs> yeah it's it, it's pretty wild and and people mm-hmm. in florida are like yeah it's just an alligator you want some meth
2: <laughs> <laughs> no
1: you don't want the meth okay i'll just be into the alligator Cause that would yeah. be like the most apex predator on the planet for like a few minutes there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is that going to make me realize that this is just a, another animal walking around? Like, is that why you guys all do meth here? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> in any case, Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest?
2: Uh, nah, dude. I mean, you know, just everybody like Serena said, be safe, you know, quit being stupid. If you could stay home, stay home.
0: Yeah. Stay home. Don't go near alligators, especially if you're on meth.
1: And don't go near the meth. Period. So.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. probably but the if, best. But point.
2: if you have to, just keep it in your house.
0: Yeah, just do just do meth at home. Don't go outside and do it. Don't go do it. <laughs> yeah, at and,
1: and, and and don't go having like a whole gay, you know, harem and and sell tigers for like two <laughs> grand a piece to, to support that habit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or do because that that's one of the most entertaining things I've seen. I time. know, right? <laughs> we just had a we just had a late comment on a fight they always wanted to see. Our buddy Matt says Roxanne Matarferi against Jessica I. That's a, a fight that he wants to see.
2: That's a good one.
1: We all know we all know who's winning that one. That's not even fair. <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh,
0: and that's one that could come together. So yeah, yeah wait. Maybe it I'll will. Be that,
1: I'll be the. I'll be in that in that venue. Four shots of tequila deep, shouting <laughs> like an idiot, just like I was the last time.
0: Nice, nice. Well, hopefully we'll get to a point where there can be a venue with people in it. Uh, in any like, case, yeah. <laughs> I hope everybody's staying sane out there. Hopefully we were able to give you guys a, a little bit of a distraction from all the crazy shit going on in the world, but hope everybody's out there doing the right thing. If you have any suggestions for the show, yeah, you know, we're, we we kind of do our own thing. It's kind of free form every week, but we've listened, uh, like our buddy Fletch made the suggestion and it turned out to be a really cool show, uh, talking about the fights that we always wanted to come together and never did. So, uh, uh, you know, speak your opinions. Let us know. Shout us out on social media and tell us what you want us to talk about, and uh we listen. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we definitely take suggestions to heart, and uh, we bring you guys guests that you want to hear, like Serena Southpaw. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, no you guys worries. get up. A-
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: <laughs> you guys get a hold of Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA Mail the Rocks everywhere. Stay safe out there. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.